His name was Verbal Bean, and he was born in Louisiana in 1933. Even as a young man, his hunger for God was evident, and many days after school, he could be found under his bed praying. He spent every Sunday afternoon at the church praying, and he felt the call to be an evangelist at the age of 21. During those days, revival meetings would last for weeks with services every night of the week. And Brother Bean would spend most of his time every one of those days in extended prayer. As a result, his ministry was exceptionally powerful. Even back then, there were many revivals where more than a hundred would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and be baptized in Jesus' name. And Verbal Bean would call the church to a greater level of holiness and a greater commitment to prayer nearly every single sermon. He had preached for less than 20 years when a tragic accident took his life on Highway 12 in rural Louisiana, not far from the Texas state border. But nearly 50 years later, the ministry of Verbal Bean still impacts the apostolic church all around the world through recordings and transcripts of his preaching. And if you ever have a chance to pick up one of the books they've put together uh, of his uh, sermons on prayer, it would be a blessing to you. Verbal Bean called them the four channels of approach in prayer. And he loved to teach about them beginning with this text, Psalm 65 and verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, watch this, and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. And I quote from uh, a discussion that Brother Verbal Bean actually had with a group of Bible college students years ago. Here's what he said. What do we mean by channels of approach? Spiritual parallels are found throughout the Old Testament. One of the spiritual parallels is the approach to a king. An individual, even the queen, could not just walk in and make her request. She had to be invited. Or else, if she came uninvited, then the king had to reach out his golden scepter. And if he touched you with it, then that meant that you could go ahead and approach and give your request. That's in the Bible, he said, and it's there for an example. Approaching the king is not done in just any manner that you want. We are dealing with the king of kings and the lord of lords. He will not just accept any manner and every manner of approach. We must learn that our approach to God cannot be casual or cannot be just at our own will. We need to come on his terms or we're wasting our time in prayer. Brother Bean continued and said, I contend by the study of his word and by practical personal experience, there is a correct channel of approach as you pray. God will accept one channel of approach. I contend that if you try any of the others, when he's calling for that one, you're wasting your time. Since we spend such little time in prayer, we really need to make that time count. And then, reaching back to his day especially, he said, 
think about CB radios. Unless you're a trucker, you probably don't know much about CB, Citizens Band radios. But here's what he said. If you want to talk to a man on Channel 9, don't turn to Channel 13. You won't find him. And he told those Bible school students a generation ago, I'm telling you that God's on 13 some nights and we're on 9 and then we wonder why we get no results. That's pretty profound. My friend Ken Gurley, in his comprehensive work called The Book on Prayer, one of our community groups just finished reading through that and studying it, he amplified the teaching of Verbal Bean on the channels of approach and he renamed them as the four lanes of prayer. And when I read his book a couple of years ago, I'm in the habit of, as I read things, just jotting down things that impact me. And I jotted that down as something that someday I wanted to teach you. And I thought, well, I feel that for this season that we're headed into, a great fall season. And so I hope that it is helpful to you. And I think that image of four lanes of prayer is certainly helpful to me. Here's what Brother Gurley says. When we pray, we should be sensitive to which channel or lane of the Spirit is open. At certain times or season, God opens only one lane. We may spend a lot of time with supplications with when what He desires from us is thanksgiving. Or we may be wanting to simply talk with God when He wishes us to stand in the gap and intercede for someone else. In other words, it's not you or me who determines how God is reached. It is God. One of these four lanes will contact him when you pray, though perhaps not all four at the same time. You must discover how he will be approached. After all, this is the king's highway. He is the one who determines which lanes are open or closed. Now, I'm grateful for Brother Gurley and grateful for uh, the late Brother Verbal Bean. But I want to take you to Scripture, of course. And the Apostle Paul thought that these principles that these great men have written about in books, he thought they were so important that he taught his young protege, Timothy, to practice these four principles, these four lanes of prayer, if you will. He said, Timothy, I want you to practice this first of all. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, of premier, primary importance, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Everyone say that with me. Say supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, first of all. And that's not the only place where Paul refers to these principles. If you read through these next couple of verses that will pop on the screen, notice the similar words for prayer and also notice the use of all and everything. Paul is teaching us prayer is not just a task to check off your list. It is a pathway into God's presence. And prayer is a highway that we walk with him. Look at this in Ephesians. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we're supposed to do this all the time. Uh, we're supposed to pray with all prayer and supplication. And then in Philippians he says to the church there, be careful for nothing but 
in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So there's three of those words right in one verse. Let your requests be made known unto God. So that's what we want to spend a little bit of time on in this Bible study tonight. And I sure hope it'll be more than a religious-tinged lecture or a church-themed uh, sermon. I hope it will be helpful to you. Paul's four lanes of prayer, one more time, are supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. And he says that we should practice them first of all. Um, I think it's really, really important that we learn about prayer. I am not offended when somebody tries to teach me about prayer. I don't say, you don't understand. I grew up chewing on the bottom of church pews. I slept on carpet and, and worse sometimes. Um, I've been in church all my life. When somebody tries to teach me something about prayer, I don't get offended at them. I like to add to the arsenal of weapons that I have in the spirit. So I'm wide open for somebody teaching me something from the Bible uh, about prayer. And I hope that's your spirit tonight. So one more time before we begin, everyone say supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks. Now many people... Uh, treat prayer something like a buffet at a restaurant. They take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and they help themselves. And their prayer time is sometimes like this. They're trying to uh, use every technique they've ever heard, trying to move the hand of God. And those are helpful sometimes. You've seen the outlines and the prayer plans and the prayer patterns and maybe the prayer clock. And uh, you, you've seen all of that. And they're all wonderful tools. I'm not dissing them or disrespecting them. Uh, but if we rush through them because they're just a pattern or a plan, then we've missed the point. Because all the time we're seeking God's hand, he's wanting us to seek his face. He's wanting a conversation with us. He's wanting to spend time fellowshipping with us in prayer. So more than us just telling God what we want, he's wanting us to spend enough time with him that we discover his will, not just our want. So Brother Gurley's uh, illustration I think is very wonderful here. He said maybe the most important question we should ask in prayer is which lane is open right now. So we could do that corporately and there are times and I can speak from experience as a pastor trying to follow the mind of the spirit for a service that there are times when uh, the leader of a service, the pastor in particular, will feel a shift and it's not time to just kind of worship. It's time to bear down and, and really go to prayer. It's time to shift gears or we would change lanes in prayer. But it's not just for here, and it's not just for the pastor. It's for every one of us in our personal prayer time. God wants to direct you as you pray. So once again here, Brother Gurley offers some profound insight, and I'll use this final quote from him because I, I just think his book is so very helpful. In a practical sense, this means that when we pray through the model of the Lord's Prayer or other models, we need to be sensitive. Rather than rushing from one segment to another, learn to slow down and ask, is God here right now in the way I'm praying and what I'm praying about? Is God here right now? And, and he says, the curious thing about praying in this manner is that it makes prayer an opportunity to seek 
after God to find out how he's leading you, where he's leading you, and what he's leading you to. If we do not find him in one facet of prayer, he awaits in another. And this insight unlocks something of God's nature. The one who is unchanging in his character is also diverse in his ways. He understands that we're human. We fall back on maps and methods rather than trusting him to lead us. So if you sense in prayer that one lane is not reaching its intended destination, it's actually quite simple. Change lanes. That's pretty simple. Uh, several years ago, when Brother Fred Thompson was still living, uh, his son Brad, our wonderful missionary to Guatemala, they were, uh, Brad was home, he was visiting family, and they were coming to church on a Sunday morning, and I, I don't know how this happened or why this happened, but for some reason, Brad wasn't driving with his parents, he was driving uh, his own vehicle to church. I don't know which vehicle it was. Uh, somebody had loaned it to him, I suppose, for the week. And so he's following his father to church. And they came across the, the Fredericton Bridge. And they uh, came to that stoplight there. And Brad said, all of a sudden, my dad just veered off the road and took off down a side road. And he said, I thought, that's strange. So he followed the main road and came to church. And, and when he got here in the parking lot, he said to his dad, he said, Dad, why did you turn off the road so abruptly? And uh, Fred said, to, he said, I wasn't going to sit in all that traffic. And Brad said, Dad, there were three cars in front of you. He lives in Guatemala City. Like three cars is not even a driveway in Guatemala City. It's, it's traffic. Sometimes if you can't get where you feel you need to go, it's probably time to change lanes and go a slightly different direction in prayer. God will be approached. He wants to be. He is available and he will be found when you seek him with all of your heart. So, Brother Gurley says, prayer is at least, it could be more, but it's at least a four-lane highway. So, for a few moments tonight, uh, between the Apostle Paul and Verbal Bean and Ken Gurley and a little bit of Raymond Woodward, let's dive in here. Um, supplications. Everyone say supplications. Supplications are specific requests that you make in prayer. Supplications are specific requests. They are similar to our modern word petitions. They are requests for assistance from God concerning our heartfelt needs, especially needs that are urgent or desperate. That's supplications, specific requests. And there are many examples in Scripture of people who made supplication to God. Here's uh, Jacob wrestling with an angel. The angel says, let me go for the day breaketh. And Jacob says, I will not let you go except thou bless me. I'm going to hang on to this moment until I get the blessing that I need. That's a supplication. I'm not letting go. It's an urgent, specific request. Um, here's the anonymous little woman on that very busy day when the crowds are thronging and suffocating uh, Jesus. There's a, a, a throng around him. 
But she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. I'm going to push through the crowd. I don't care who doesn't want me to be here. I don't care what inconvenience I have to go through. I've got a specific request today. I'm going to stay on course and stay on track until I am made whole. And then if you go back to the Old Testament, um, we don't even have the record of what she said but here's what we know. Hannah, childless, barren, so sad and overwrought. She comes to the tabernacle and she's praying. And the Bible simply says, Now Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. She's lost in prayer. And Eli thought she had been drunken. He thinks this lady, she's so intense in prayer, she's so determined in prayer, she's so focused in prayer that the priest, the high priest of Israel, even misjudges her. Now years ago, brothers and sisters, our elders had a word for supplications. They called it a burden of prayer. That has fast fallen out of favor in an age when we consider convenience and ease to be the twin gods of North America. But let me tell you, we are still in need of God's people every once in a while getting under a burden of prayer where something of the Spirit becomes more important than just everything else that's going on in your day. That's supplications. It's a specific request. It's a burden of prayer. It is passionate, asking and seeking and knocking. And the thing about supplications is this kind of prayer doesn't give up until the answer is received, until the lost is found, until the door is open. So if you have a critical need in your life, this is probably the lane you should be praying in. Here's Matthew, the words of Jesus. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Sounds easy enough, but then read the next verse. And the next verse has this unique little quirk of the 400-plus-year-old King James English version of the Holy Scriptures. You see the E-T-H on the end of some words here. E-T-H means a continuing action. It doesn't stop. It doesn't lessen. It doesn't diminish. And I'm glad that that's in the King James Version because when I read that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin, that means He didn't just cleanse you once and then leave you to flounder around. It means that the blood of Jesus is continually active and working in your life. So dial it back to Matthew 7 and verse 8. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So literally, if you keep on asking, you will keep on receiving. And if you keep on seeking, you will keep on finding. And if you keep on knocking, those doors will keep on opening for you. That is supplications. It's prayer that has a specific burden. It's prayer that has a specific focus. It 
It's prayer that has a specific name or a specific situation attached to it. The thing about supplication is it refuses to be pacified or satisfied until God rends the heavens and comes down here and does something about it. So every once in a while, you need to pull your little self into the lane of supplications. And you need to know why you're there and what you're asking for. Some people pray such pathetic, uh, pitiful, generic prayers. God bless us. What in the world is that? How would you know if that was answered? If you're still breathing tomorrow, you could say, well, God bless me, I'm still breathing. But supplication refuses to be generic. Supplication refuses to pray prayers that you wouldn't know if they were answered if they slapped you upside the face. Supplication says, no, God, I need this healing. God, I need this miracle. God, I need this provision. God, I need this specific door to either be opened or closed. If you close it, I'll be happy. If you open it, I'm walking through. But God, here's what I need. That's supplications. Everyone say supplications. And then Paul says, Supplications and prayers. Prayers are regular conversations. So supplications are specific requests. Prayers are regular conversations. In your Bible, the Greek word that's translated here as prayers, it is one of the most familiar words for prayer in the New Testament. It is used most often to describe Jesus' prayers, and prayers here often refers not just to what you do, but to where you are. It refers uniquely to a place of prayer. So when Paul says prayers should be offered, first of all, along with supplications and intercessions and giving of thanks, but when Paul says prayers should be offered, he's saying you should have a place of prayer. You should have a time of prayer. You should have a routine of prayer. Routine is not bad. Regular is not bad. Even a little bit of ritual is not bad if it's leading you to God. So please notice that all four lanes that Paul describes, they are expressed in the plural. Supplications, prayers, intercession, giving of thanks. They are plural, all of them. They're not meant to be isolated paths that we rarely visit. These are meant to be well-worn, heavily traveled highways. And in the case of the word prayers, its frequency of usage in the New Testament, that indicates that this is the most common type of praying. A lot of people, they think all prayer is sort of like supplication. It's all supposed to be very, very intense. It's all supposed to be going after a specific request. That's good, but that's not the whole picture of prayer. Can I tell you, you're supposed to have a daily conversation with Jesus. You're supposed to have a typical daily relationship with Jesus. It is not always going to sound like Sunday night just after the praise team got done singing a song at 90 miles an hour and 90 decibels loud. It's not always going to sound as intense as that. But can I tell you, it's a regular, in fact, it's the most common word for prayer in the New Testament. It's just talking with Jesus. Now, we often picture Jesus when we say Jesus is praying. 
We picture him in the Garden of Gethsemane. On that night, he is literally in the worst crisis of his earthly life. But can I tell you that in addition to those supplications, specific requests, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That's pretty specific. But in addition to those supplications, the Lord Jesus also had a habit of praying daily prayers. Here's the point. Long before he ever got into a crisis, On the last night of his earthly life in the Garden of Gethsemane, he modeled for us a daily prayer life. Can I say the obvious, the elephant in the room? If Jesus needed to pray, we need to pray. Goodness. Now, notice both types of prayer that we've already talked about, supplications and prayers. Notice them both in one verse. This is the author of Hebrews. Who in the days of his flesh... When he had offered up prayers, everyone say prayers and supplications. Everyone say supplications. What's the difference? Supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and he was heard in that he feared. So so there's two kinds of prayer in one verse. Jesus had a relationship of daily prayers, but he also had the ability and the capacity and the desire to offer supplication with strong crying and tears. Let me tell you, if life conspires against you and things turn upside down, you will automatically shift into the lane of supplication. God, I need you to step in here. That precious little baby is sick. That that loved one, they're going through trouble. And, And so you will automatically shift into supplications. Can I say something else that's pretty obvious? That you're going to have difficulty shifting into the lane of supplications if you're not even on the road yet. If you're not even moving the car, it's a lot harder to shift lanes when the car's sitting there and it's not even turned on. So this idea of prayers, a regular conversation with Jesus is very important. The word prayers indicates talking with God, intimacy with God, and meeting with God regularly. And it also indicates a place. So here's the bottom line. This is not dramatic praying. This is daily praying. It's not so much about what you feel. It's about how faithful you are. (laughs) New believers sometimes have this struggle. They come to church and it's very intense here. I know we're used to this. I know it doesn't phase us when the pastor says, let's all lift our hands and shout, and we all go, ah, I know that doesn't phase you. You've been here for a while. That freaks people out sometimes. Their church is built around one rule, be quiet. And so their first initial exposure to apostolic worship and singing and praying and preaching and altar services, it can blow their hair back a little bit. But can I tell you, What is a strength can also become a weakness. What what is a wonderful thing can also become a little bit of a curse if we're only relying on the feeling that we have when we're all together on Sunday or Wednesday or Friday and, and we're not carving out our own personal relationship with God. Maybe the question needs to be asked, can you do prayer without a praise team? 
Can you do prayer without a preacher? Can you do prayer without a congregation? Because if you can't, you don't have a prayer habit. You just have kind of an optional activity that you do whenever you happen to show up here. And so prayers is supposed to be a common thing in your life. It's not about feeling. It's about faithfulness. It's just plain language. No fancy stuff. No King James, these and thous and lordeth thoueth. Nothing like that. It's just plain language from a sincere heart. It's a conversation with your father who cares about you. So this is the main travel lane on the four-lane highway of prayer, and we should visit it often. If you're traveling on one of our highways, uh, you know our custom here. It's different in other countries, but our custom here is you stay on on the, the right side of the road, and then occasionally you move to the left to pass. You don't just kind of stay over there if other people are needing to get by. Well, this is the main travel lane of prayer. Not as dramatic as supplication, not as dramatic as intercession, but it's the main lane of prayer that you need to cultivate in your life. Um, if, if you think that this isn't quite exciting enough for you, let me give you the example of Jesus. Mark 6. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Luke 5. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Mark 1. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus had a daily prayer life with nobody else around, just him and his father. If Jesus needed to pray, my goodness, we need to be people of prayer. Would you lift up your hand and receive that right now? Just talk to the Lord for a second. We'll continue with your voice, your prayer voice, your outside prayer voice. Just lift up prayer to the Lord. Jesus, I want to do better here. Jesus, I want to have that relationship with you. Jesus, I, I, I want to commit to this. This is important to me. I don't just want to be a, a tourist that kind of comes by and watches prayer once or twice a week. I want to have a daily relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you, God. Everyone say supplications. Supplications are specific requests. Everyone say prayers. Prayers are regular conversations that we have with God. Everyone say intercessions. Intercessions, uh, our modern word would be intervention. Intercessions are interventions on behalf of others. Intercessors. Thank God there are some intercessors in the congregation here at Capital Community Church. Intercessors are prayer warriors who stand in the gap for someone else. Intercessors act like a bridge over which blessings can pass. Intercessors refuse to allow the devil to win a victory. Intercessors are those who say over and over, thy kingdom come, thy will be done until they see it happen. Those are people that know how to pray intercessions, intercessory prayer. But like the midwife who assists with a birth and then is forgotten by the family, it is rare to see an intercessor recognized here on earth. 
But let me tell you, our God is faithful. He keeps good records. And someday you are going to be amazed and astounded and astonished to see the parade of God-called intercessors. And they didn't stand behind pulpits. And nobody called them pastor. And they didn't lead congregations. But in the spirit, they made everything that we do possible. They were the ones who refused to take no for an answer until God moved in our altars. They were the ones who got a burden for a backslider and we all celebrated when the backslider finally came down the aisle and knelt at the altar and was refilled with the Holy Ghost and we all thought it was pastor's sermon that did it and what heaven only knows is that it was an intercessor in a lonely prayer room that said, God, that boy's got to come back to you. Jesus, that girl is lost and I'm going to pray until we see some progress in her life. That is an intercessor. They are the four-star generals of the prayer armies of the kingdom of God, and we are thankful for them. But many times we don't even know who they are. Genesis chapter 18. Abraham and Lot are involved in an intercessory conversation, Abraham and God, and it's about his nephew Lot. And Lot is living in a sinful city, And Lot's spiritual relationship with Jehovah has totally floundered. And Abraham is concerned for his nephew and his family. And God, because he's a friend of Abraham, and Abraham is a friend of God, God has made his will known to Abraham. I am going to rain down destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham steps into the gap, and he starts negotiating with God. It's pretty brave. He starts with 50. If there's 50 righteous in that city, will you save it, God? God says, yes. If there's 40 righteous, God, yes. 30, yes. 20, yes. 10. Lot's family had 10 people in it. Abraham interceded and he negotiated and he bargained with God. But he interceded. He refused to take no for an answer. And here's what he said to God. This is amazing. Genesis 18, 25. That be far from thee to do after this manner. God, you wouldn't slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous would be as the wicked that be far from thee. And then he looks in the face of God and he said, God, it's it's, it's your word. We're in your covenant. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God, I'm asking you to keep your word. I'm asking you to keep your covenant. You're the God of mercy. You're the God who lets his mercy flow down to a thousand generations. So God, I'm just interceding here. I'm asking you to keep your word and and abide by your promise and keep your covenant. That's pretty bold praying. Intercessors are not unfamiliar with that kind of praying. God, it's your will that none should perish, but that all should come to salvation. God, it's your will that in the last days you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh. God, it's right here in your word. I am the Lord that healeth thee. God, it's right here in your word. I will bring your sons from far and your daughters from the end of the earth. God, it's right here in your word. That's an intercessor. They get lost in the spirit. They get deep in the spirit and they push and they pull for the promises of God to be fulfilled. In the New Testament, Jesus is telling a story. We are told exactly why he tells it. 
He tells this little parable for one reason, that men should always pray and not faint. And here's what he says. He tells this story of an unjust judge who is plagued by this woman who has probably a very tedious, trivial need to the judge. But she won't leave him alone. He gets up in the morning and she's already at his door knocking. He, he tries to eat his lunch and she's outside in his little courtyard hollering at his window, Judge, avenge me of mine adversary. And he tries to go out to the market with his family and she's there shadowing his every step. And she's behind him. She, she, she's literally following him everywhere he goes. Avenge me of mine adversary. And finally, the judge says, Okay, you can have what you want. You've won your case. I'll exact the punishment on your adversary. You win. And the Bible specifically says that unjust judge didn't do it because he was righteous. He didn't do it because he was godly. He did it because he was bothered. He did it because she'd become a nuisance. And then Jesus gives the punchline. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them. Sometimes it seems to take a while and we don't know the timing of God but we trust him when we don't. But even though it takes a while, here's what Jesus said that if an unjust judge would give a woman who was a bother to him a victory, how much more do you think the judge of the earth. How much more do you think our heavenly father, how much more do you think almighty God will avenge his own elect? But here's the thing. They cry day and night unto him. We have a plague in the modern church. We pray once and we're mad if God didn't do it. But that's not how intercessions work. Intercessions step into the gap and they push and they pull and they cry and they pray. Ezekiel 22 God said to the prophet, I read it just last week, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. Here's why Israel went into destruction. Here's why Israel went into captivity. God couldn't find a man that would make up the hedge. God couldn't find a man that would stand in the gap and put one hand on God and his promises and the other hand on man and the situation and pull them together and stand in the gap. And God said, I destroyed them because I couldn't find a man to stand in the gap and make up that hole in the hedge. Can I tell you that's how important intercessory prayer is? That every once in a while we have to tell the church it's time to go to war. It's time to push in prayer. It's time to pull in the supernatural. Don't resist that when pastor stands up here and says we're calling a fast. We're calling a prayer meeting. We're calling a fresh fire meeting. Don't resist that. Don't check out you need to lean in. You need to launch yourself into prayer and intercession. You say, well, that sounds a lot like supplications. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because here's how that works. Supplications are usually normally for us. God heal me and God help my family and God change my finances. Supplications are usually for us. Intercessions are most always for others. Almost always they're for others. You see, it is the business of the apostolic church to intervene. That's what intercession means, an intervention. It's our business to intervene 
in any situations we see that are not what heaven intends them to be. And it is our business to see them through in passionate, persistent, focused prayer until we see the situation on earth agree with the will of God in heaven. It's called binding and loosing. We bind things that the devil is trying to loose. And we loose things that God wants to loose. Binding and loosing accomplishes on earth what has already been willed in heaven. So before you get a big head, we don't make things happen. But our intercession, because of the plan of God, intercession releases them to happen. It is God's power and God's timing coupled with our participation and our tenacity. So here's how you know you should be pulling into the lane of intercession. If you sense a gap between God and someone. Oh, oh, oh. Did you feel that? The word backslider just flashed across the spirits of the people of God. If you sense a gap between God and someone, if you sense that God's purpose is being thwarted, then you need to move into the lane of intercessions as you pray. And remember, Every spirit-filled believer, while we're not all equally gifted as intercessors, we are all called to make up the hedge, stand in the gap, and intercede for a lost and broken and dying world. When they try to take our children and pollute their minds with agendas and ideologies and wickedness and perversion, it is not time for the church to sit quietly, comfortably in our building safe and sound and fret over what our kids are going through five days a week at public school. It is time for the church to intercede. Speak up if you must, but before you speak, go to prayer and speak to God. Speak to anybody you want. Say anything you want as long as you speak with respect and you represent your God and your church and your family well. But before you get up on your soapbox and you pretend you're going to take on somebody, you make sure you've taken them to God in prayer. You make sure you've interceded for our society and our culture and our nation and our province and our city Lift up your hands, lift up your voice, kind of like a little war cry, and just push a little bit in the spirit. Just push a little bit in the spirit. That's intercession when we say, God, that's not right what's happening over there. That's not your will what's happening over there. It's not your will that that man or that woman, that boy, that girl is estranged from God. They've left church. They've walked away. They're back in sin. They're messed up. It's not your will. I see a gap. And so an an intercessor runs to the gap and stands there in that hole that has been left in the hedge and they say, God, you got to step in here and fill that gap and fill this hole and I'm going to stand here and pray in Jesus' name until it happens. I feel the words of the Holy Ghost pushing on my spirit again. Don't rush. Don't rush. Take a moment here. Let those shabahete re do kosha. 
You say, Pastor Raymond, I got one little problem with all of this. I want to. I have a desire to. But I got to tell you, sometimes I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray about the agendas and the ideologies being pushed on our innocent kids in the school systems. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Well, I'm glad to tell you that every spirit-filled believer, every apostolic Christian, you've got a secret weapon to assist you. Here's what Paul said. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for, and we don't even know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Here's your secret weapon. When you don't know how to pray, what to pray, you start praying in the Holy Ghost. You start praying in the Spirit. You start praying in other tongues. And God will pray through you and lead you in intercession. So I, I'm pushed by those two little words, don't rush. Would you lift up your hands one more time and this time launch yourself into intercessory prayer in the Spirit. You may not know what to pray, but the Holy Ghost can pray through you and knock down walls and tear down strongholds. <laughs> It's your secret weapon in prayer. It's your secret weapon in prayer. It takes it to a different level. It takes it to a deeper and higher level. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. Paul said, if I'm sober, it's for your cause. And I would say if I finish, it's for your cause because I could get stopped and lost right there. But I'll give you one last one because I believe this will help you in your prayer life. Everyone say supplications. Supplications are specific requests. Everyone say prayers. Prayers are regular conversations. That's the main travel lane. It's not dramatic, but it's daily. It's the main travel lane on this four-lane highway of prayer. Everyone say intercessions. Intercessions are interventions for others. And finally, Paul said, first of all, before you get all involved in your day and you get so busy and you look back at your day at the end of the day and I didn't have time, God. First of all, someone say first of all. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. 
Supplications are interventions for others. Giving of thanks is worship to God. Paul reminds us in all of his epistles. Everything we have is a result of God's grace in our lives. Everything. I know you're smart, but you didn't get where you are all by your little old self. The grace of God, the blessing of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the favor of God. Everything we have is a result of God's grace in our lives. So you could say that the giving of thanks is kind of like the on-ramp for our prayer life. Giving God thanks is the quickest way I know to get into God's presence. And so it should be a very well-traveled lane on the highway of prayer in your life. It's amazing. All pastor has to do is step to the pulpit and say, let's all worship the Lord. And God's presence comes like a magnet because we're giving him thanks. Psalm 100, most familiar verse about thanksgiving probably in the Bible, at least in the Old Testament. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Giving of thanks, it's like the key to the door. It's like the latch to the gate. It's, it's the pathway into his presence. It's the password. You start giving God thanks and it opens up everything. Saying thanks to God isn't just a list that you recite. It isn't just an obligation that you fulfill. Giving God thanks is an attitude. You live in thanks to God. So when anybody gives you like just that much of an opportunity, you explode with thanksgiving. Your life overruns with thanksgiving. Your cup overflows with thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving is an attitude. It's heard in your words. It's seen in your expression. You don't get extra points for looking gloomy in church. I know some people think this is very spiritual. It is not. It looks grouchy, touchy. Some of you are getting grouchy and touchy right now, so I'll move on. I love to see the joy of the Lord on the faces of the people of God. If we expect... A new believer who just climbed out soaking, sopping wet out of the baptismal tank. If we expect their face to light up with a smile because God just forgave their sins and washed them away. If we expect somebody that just received the baptism of the Holy Ghost to smile. How much more those of us that have had the blessings of God compounded in our lives over years and decades. How much more should we come into his sanctuary with a spring in our step and a praise on our lips and joy in our heart. I've got no complaints when it comes to Jesus. God has been so good to me. Wow. About to lose it right here. God lifted me up when I didn't deserve to be lifted up. And he forgave me when I didn't deserve to be forgiven. And he healed me when the doctors couldn't heal me. And he's done so much for me. He... My goodness. Here we sit on a Wednesday night. We're not strung out. We're not drunk out of our minds. We're not all shot up with drugs. We're here in the presence of God. Furthermore, we're in our right mind, and we've got 
breath in our body and health and strength enough to be in the house of God. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. What was it Brother Dudley used to say? I've got no hard luck story to tell. I'll tell you what my story is. The blessings of God are new every morning. His mercy is new every morning. His grace is new every day. Woo. So yeah, being thankful is a lifestyle. It'll show up on your face. It'll show up in your conversations. It'll be demonstrated in your actions. So the Bible teaches us, whatever you're doing, whatever you're talking about, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, give God thanks. Don't believe me? Here it is, Colossians 3. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. That's a powerful verse. But Pastor Raymond, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what my family's all embroiled in. You don't understand the tension and the hurt and the pain and the sorrow and the loss and the sadness. You don't understand. Well, I've got another verse for you. Because it's still the will of God that you should give thanks. But here's your verse, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. When you can't thank God for it because you don't like it. When you can't thank God for it because you don't want it. When you can't thank God for it because it's like the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Nobody's expecting you scripturally to give God thanks for an attack of the enemy or for a terrible sickness in your body. When you can't give God thanks for it, here's what you do. In everything, give thanks. In the middle of the worst situation, in the middle of the most difficult day of my life, in the middle of the most tumultuous week of my year, week, my year, I'm going to stand here flat-footed and I'm going to give God thanks in everything, even if I can't give him thanks for everything. And devil, I'm still going to smile through the tears and laugh through the pain and worship God through all the loss. Oh, wow. My goodness. My goodness. I'm still struggling, Pastor Raymond. One more verse for you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Sacrifices aren't easy, they're not pleasant, they're not fun. They cost us. They hurt sacrifices. The image takes us all the way back to the altar in the temple in the Old Testament. Sacrifices. Death and blood and burning and fire. Sacrifice. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Well, that's not very helpful. What is the sacrifice of praise? God, glad you asked. Keep reading. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise 
is worshiping God with your voice when your emotions are in a mess. Your heart is upside down. Your mind is in a whirl because of all the junk that is happening in your life and you still walk your little self right into the presence of God and just dare the preacher to give you that much space to lift your hands and worship God because you've learned the secret. The sacrifice of praise is giving God thanks with your voice when your mind is confused. Giving God thanks with your words when your heart is overwhelmed. Giving God thanks with your mouth and your lips when all around you there's nothing but pain and loss and heartache but I'm going to stand here and I'm going to give God thanks. That's the sacrifice of praise. My, 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 my. Sometimes saying thanks to God feels like a celebration because it's been a good week. Other times it will feel like a sacrifice. But you can choose. You are not a victim of your emotions. My goodness. If you're a child of God, he's overcome death, hell, and the grave for you. He can certainly overcome a bad day or a sad week for you. And I'm going to give God thanks. Giving of thanks is an important part of your prayer life. It's an important part of a healthy relationship with God. But more than all of that, just saying thank you to Jesus is the easiest, most instinctive kind of worship. And saying thank you, God, woo, is the quickest way I know to get smack dab into the middle of his presence. So be sure when you're traveling that four-lane highway of prayer that you get into this lane as often as you can. Coming to a close. My missionary friend Steve Willoughby left us 10 years ago this year. What a great man of God he was, an apostle to Singapore and to Asia. He wrote this. Prayer is not something that you do. Prayer is something that you are. Prayer flows automatically out of living sacrifices. Prayer is simply the verbal expressions of the meditations of your heart. So not praying is the result of a dead sacrifice. God replaced dead sacrifices because they had limited value. They were too easy to forget. You gave, then you just walked away. But a living sacrifice is different. It requires daily maintenance and daily conversation. Brother Willoughby said, you're decaying if you're not praying. Last scripture. There are benefits, major, significant, eternal benefits to traveling on this four-lane highway of prayer. Now, I know this is an Old Testament scripture, and I know it's written to Israel about their restoration, but Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 that all these things that happened to Israel happened for our examples upon whom the ends of the world are come. So I'm perfectly within my right to reach back here and pull this into New Testament church today. <laughs> and Paul said, in another place, he said, for all the promises of God in Jesus are yes and in him are amen. So here we go. Old Testament verse to wind up a New Testament Bible study. And an highway shall be there 
and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. Can I just pause and say, you don't need to be an eloquent theologian or some kind of professional preacher to understand prayer. Prayer is not complicated. It is not complex. You don't get extra brownie points for prayer. And you don't need a bunch of degrees behind your name to comprehend prayer. Prayer is no different than you talking to your loved one. Prayer is no different than you having a conversation with your friend. But this time you're talking to a God who can do something about the problems that you face. Wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein on this highway. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up, up there thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. There is a highway in prayer that you just put the devil to flight. And you, you just talk to God so frequently that the devil just tries to think about attacking you. It's like Jesus over there. Because you're in constant communication with God. Brother Tenney said, T.F. Tenney, superintendent of Louisiana for decades. Brother Tenney said near the end of his life, he said, I'm older, my strength has waned a little bit. He said, I seldom pray for an hour anymore. He said, but I seldom go an hour without praying. And I think that's a good way to look at it, even for those of us that are younger. If you've got a prayer life, a consistent daily relationship with God, God keeps the ravenous beasts and the lions and the devils at bay. The redeemed walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Let me tell you something about the highway of prayer. Let me tell you something about it. That any prayer that you pray, if you pursue it long enough, it'll end up in praise. Every single prayer. You pray a prayer long enough, and either down here or over there, you are going to have reason to praise God for the way he answered your prayer. So the bottom line tonight is very simple. That when you think about prayer, try to think about these four lanes. One more time, everyone say supplications. Supplications are specific requests, usually for you or your family, your immediate concerns. Everyone say prayers. Those are regular conversations. They're really important. That's the main lane you need to travel in. It won't feel like it did here tonight with all of these dozens and dozens and dozens of people praying around you. But it's still very important. Prayers, regular conversations. Everyone say intercessions. Intercessions are where you let God speak to you and you get bothered about something. Intercessions are interventions usually for others. And they become very intense. And see, the beautiful thing about these lanes is you may start out in one lane and you feel that's, that's the purpose of prayer. We're seeking God's face. We're seeking his will. So you may feel God pulling you to a different lane of prayer. And when he pulls you to that lane, stay there for a while. Don't rush out of it. It's not trying to get through a pattern or a plan or a routine. It's having a conversation with God. And finally, everyone say, giving of thanks. Giving a thanks is where you just lay back and worship God. And it is the quickest, easiest way into his presence, even if you're home all alone. Go take a walk and look up at a beautiful sky 
or a nice forest or a beautiful field and just thank God, the creator of it all. He gives us all good things. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And so the point tonight is if one lane seems to be blocked, switch lanes. It's pretty easy. If you start in supplication and you're not making any headway, switch to thanksgiving, giving of thanks. If, if, if you're interceding for someone and, and, and you're, you're A-A-D-H-D, that's apostolic attention deficit whatever disorder, if that kicks in, switch lanes. The purpose is not to do it perfectly. The purpose is to do it consistently. Prayer. The four lanes of prayer. I don't know about you. I wrote that down a couple years ago because I just thought that's just valuable. And I'm so thankful that we can pray to a God who cares. So um, I don't know what you feel to do right now as far as supplications, prayers, intercessions, or giving of thanks. It really doesn't matter which lane you're in. But before we have a traffic jam at the door, let's jump in a lane of prayer for a minute. Stand and lift up your hands. Thank you for your kind attention. Now lift up your voice in some way, giving him thanks, interceding, making supplication, or just praying to God. But just lift up your voice for a minute. Let's crown this service. It's been glorious. The Lord has been here. His presence has been here. We've studied his word. His people are all around us, and God is for us. And when we pray, he hears us. When we pray, he answers prayer. When we pray, we're building a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Wow, 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 wow. Erebolo dalaba sandereboto rabako shamaha. Erebolo dalaba sandereboko sabaha. Thank you for being part of Bible study tonight. The most important response to this message is not just a moment at the end of the service. The most important response to this message is to take it home and use it and live it. We have a saying, practice makes perfect. That's not true. But here's what practice does. Practice makes permanent. So when you practice something, you develop a habit. Practice makes permanent. If you get to perfect, bonus. But if you never get to perfect, practice makes permanent. So develop the habit of daily prayer.